everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today we are diving into Ecclesiastes, and my guess is uh, this is not a book that you have read over a ton of times. It's kind of a weird book. Um, If you're not prepared for it, it reads a little bit odd. And so I'm actually excited that we're diving into this on the podcast because I think there are some helpful insights um, that you can gain just kind of dealing with Ecclesiastes. It's actually a fantastic book. It's it's great to read, um, but it does have some challenges associated with it. The first one being uh, we've been dealing with uh, Proverbs. We've been dealing with Songs of Solomon. We've been reading about Solomon. And so it is easy to assume and associate this book with Solomon. Actually, it even opens up uh, talking about the author, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So it makes sense that people across history have drawn the conclusion that this is Solomon. However, the vast majority of, of biblical scholars throughout history have not accepted that this is written by Solomon. Uh, One of the reasons being the book never actually says that. Uh, Song of Solomon says that. There are pieces of Proverbs that say that. Ecclesiastes actually refuses to use the word. And so for face value, uh, David had many sons. There, There could have been any number of sons of David at that time. Also at one point, it's chapter 1, verse 16, Um, It says, I have acquired great wisdom surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. The problem with that is we believe that at Solomon's point of rule, only David was over Jerusalem before him as far as the Israelites were concerned. So it's odd that there's kind of this plural reference uh, that doesn't seem to fit. So there are many different opinions on who wrote this thing. Um, There is some opinions that the, the preacher... Uh, That's actually the Ecclesiastes comes from kind of the Latin term for the preacher, the teacher, Um, that that is kind of a a name that covers many people, that there were like editors involved in this, that there were multiple authors involved in this. It does seem like uh, at the very least people assume there were maybe two people involved and at the very most people assume there were maybe nine people involved. So we're dealing with a pretty unique piece of literature here. Uh, You can read quite a bit about uh, the author and the date. Uh, The date is also super um, unknown. It couldn't possibly be before Solomon, but it is most likely much later than Solomon. Uh, One thing that is helpful to know is that many early Jewish sources um, saw this book, Ecclesiastes, as part of the canon. So that means that uh, for many years of early history, Uh, Many of the Jews that were reading uh, the Bible as it existed understood Ecclesiastes to be part of the Bible. Ecclesiastes is also in the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, which means at Jesus' time, and actually earlier than Jesus' time, people believed that Ecclesiastes was part of the Bible, and we continue to believe that today. It has come under fire a couple times. Um, because it it does seem to say different things at different times, and it says some pretty weird things, um, but that is where it's helpful to understand the context. This book is set up as kind of a question and answer, sort of, um, where there's a lot of questioning and phrasing going on, uh, where you get the sense of the author, the character, 
uh, just wrestling with a lot of real life issues and circumstances, much like we would today. If you read over Ecclesiastes, you're going to find thoughts that you've probably had in your life or probably will have in your life at some time. That's what makes Ecclesiastes so interesting. It's also what causes Ecclesiastes to transcend time. Lots of people over many years uh, have been intrigued by this book because it is applicable. Um, All of God's word is applicable, but this book seems particularly applicable to things that people wrestle with, particularly people of faith. Uh, And then the final part of the book is going to be kind of the teacher's response to all these questions. And the real key to the book Uh, happens at the very end uh, where the teacher is kind of tying everything up. The final two verses, this is chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Um, So it is important to understand this book in complete context. This is a fantastic book that if you're going to quote it, you should have read the whole thing. If you're going to study it, you should commit to reading the whole thing. Uh, Because one of the main things that people have um, been contentious with this book, have caused people to be contentious with this book, is that when you pull certain verses out of context, it seems very odd. Like at one point, he is against... Um, seeking pleasure and trying to do things that cause you to be happy. And then at another point, he seems to be saying, hey, you should literally do anything that makes you happy. This has been one of the main arguments against the book. Um, But when you understand the tie-up concluding part of the book, you know that the intent of it is to lead us to be faithful to God and trust that he is in control. Um, It's Really interesting. You should definitely read the whole thing. It won't take you a long time to read the whole thing. If you don't read it, at least stick around to hear us read it uh, because it is valuable and you should understand everything in context. So some of the opening themes you'll see right away. Vanity of vanities. This is uh, chapter one, verse two. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Uh, Vanity is a word that's going to get used a lot Uh, Basically, it's similar to the way we would use the term futility today. Like everything is futile. Everything that you're doing is going to come to non-existence. The guy here that is writing is really wrestling with what the meaning of life is. And you'll see some very real struggles with, hey, I was super wise, but even when I'm incredibly wise, I'm going to die. I was super rich, but even when I was super rich, I realized that I'm going to die and somebody else is going to take my riches. I've been very poor. I've worked very hard, but even in that, I wasn't satisfied. Um, so there's there's a lot of wrestling going on here. And the question seems to be, what is the point of our lives? What are we doing with our lives? And I'm guessing that you have probably wrestled with that before, uh, because I've wrestled with that quite a bit at times in my life. Like, what what am I doing and is it having any value? And if if those are questions you're wrestling with, Ecclesiastes can give you direction, um, but you do need to understand the whole book because if you open up to the wrong page, you're going to think, aha, the Bible says there is no point. And it's kind of this book full of pessimism, but it's proving a point from a pessimistic standpoint. Um, there are other points of the book that that tell us to understand God and follow God with everything that we have, but then the opposite perspective is also there. Uh, One of the things that's really intriguing to me 
Uh, for the podcast and for the way that the reading plan that we're following, we've split the reading into two pieces. So we're reading Ecclesiastes in two separate days. Uh, one of the things that sticks out to me is uh, chapter 1, verse 10. Uh, ver- verse 9, actually. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Um, basically, this idea of just continual... Um, Things that seem new are actually old. And that's one of the things I've been seeing, particularly in the church today, uh, where people see, they think they're stumbling into some kind of new teaching or some kind of new understanding of the Bible or of God, God's commandments. But really, they've stumbled into something that is just super old. Uh, a lot of times people fall for heresies that have already been refuted in history past. And I think there's a, a great reason to study church history as much as you possibly can. Because if you look at church history, first of all, it's pretty well documented. Um, you can look back and actually read original writings of people who were Christians just, you know, 60 to 100 years after Jesus. And you can see what it was like for them to be Christians and what kind of teachings they wrestled with. And you'll start to notice that a lot of early Christians wrestled with a lot of teachings that people wrestle with today. And so there are people that find some kind of goofy new teaching. um, And it's not really new. It's just actually super old. Uh, I I can think of people who kind of wrestle with the deity of Jesus. Was he really just a good person or was he actually God? Um, I can think of people that kind of have like a more holistic, spiritual-minded kind of faith that is not Jesus-centered. It's just more like God really wants us to be good. Um, These are not new concepts. These are very old concepts that the church has dealt with. And that is why it sticks out to me that there's nothing new under the sun. When you think you're believing something new, you're actually believing something incredibly old, something that has already been refuted by faithful fathers of our church. And so I, I would encourage you to pick up some church history and learn some church history so that you can see uh, when you are being deceived and how that has been dealt with in the past. Um, overall, uh, th- those are kind of the opening concepts. I wanted to talk about those a little bit. Um, I wanted you to understand the kind of literature that we're dealing with. It's kind of a, a argument. Um, it's kind of like a verbal processing kind of book where he's just writing out the questions that he has about life. And ultimately, you need to understand that the resolution of this book is that the best thing for us is to fear God um, and do what he has commanded us to do. Uh, the, the writer of the book is kind of coming at life as like trying to understand the heart of God and ultimately what he understands about the heart of God. It is, it is best for man uh, in our meaningless lives to honor God and follow God because God is always looking over what's happening in the world. He already knows what's happening in the world. He's sovereign. And because he's sovereign, we can trust him and we can have peace in him. Um, because he loves us and cares about us and is watching over us as we walk through life. And so we have meaning and value and purpose, even when it feels like we don't. Uh, So we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll dive back into the second half of Ecclesiastes. I'm excited for this book. Definitely go pick it up and read it for yourself. It won't take you too long. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing. Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Ecclesiastes chapter one. 
The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing which it is said, See, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of the former things, nor will there be any remembrance of the later things yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and straying and striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experiences of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also but a striving after the wind, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Chapter 2 I said in my heart, Come now. I will test you with my pleasure. Enjoy myself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of the growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold in the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of men. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was the reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity." and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, and there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. 
Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have we been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. For of the wise as of the fool there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is vexation. Even then in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. For everything there is a season and a time and every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into a man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice even there was wickedness, and in the place of righteousness even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard for the children of man that God is testing them, and they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to the dust all return. 
Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Again I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who have already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, and has not yet seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw that all toil and all skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and a striving after the wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no other to pick him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king, who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifices of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you avow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and a violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go in again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil, and may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. 
Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, and much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and to drink and to find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Every one also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them, and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Chapter 6 There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place? All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives, the few days of his vain life which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.